more grace this is prophet karn and if you are listening you are listening to part three of my series that i've been teaching on the gospel i told you that the book of romans uh completely changed my life uh i for sure thought that i was going to hell i'm heaven for sure because i didn't whole chase free base whiskey nipping cocaine sniffing peel popping weed chopping tobacco chewing cigarette sucking pipe puffing skirt chasing didn't do none of those things just was raised up in holiness brought up in the admonition of the lord and taught to seek god and pursue him with every fiber of my being so i thought for sure that my salvation was guaranteed until i began to read the book of romans and i found out that I am doubly wrong because I was self-righteous and thought I was better because I dotted every I and crossed every T and I was not depending on the righteousness of God, but I was depending on my own righteousness. And of course, I would quote scriptures like Isaiah 64 and 6, all of my righteousness is filthy rags. I would make that confession. That's something that I would say, but I'm not sure that I really believe that. I had a works-based salvation that was built on performance, that was built on dotting every I, crossing every T. Lord, I'm running, trying to make 199 and a half won't do. And I began to do an intense study on the book of Romans. And my God, I must admit to you that Romans has completely showed me the error of my ways. You know, I told you that I heard someone say that if you could ever understand the book of Romans, basically the first eight chapters of Romans, that it would completely change your life. So, of course, I showed in Romans chapter one how that the world knows that they need God. Then I told you in Romans chapter two how that Paul is telling the church, you need God. And then the third chapter, he levels the playing ground and says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But then you get to Romans chapter four, verse 15, and it lets us know. Now, again, I'm only giving you a portion because, you know, in part two, I didn't give you everything. I gave you enough so that you can get the whole series in its entirety. But Romans chapter four, verse 15 tells us because the law work of the wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. And one thing that we need to understand about the law, because that's a question that most of us understand. Well, Private Karn, if you're saying that we don't have to keep every law and dot every I and cross every T, which is really not what I'm saying. I'm saying you don't do that to receive his grace. That grace is unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor. But I'm telling you that God did not give you the law to keep it. But the law was given to help sin overcome you, not for you to overcome sin, because verse 15 says the law worketh wrath. That is very clear. The law was given to help sin overcome you. It is first Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56 that says the strength of sin is the law. That's what the law did. It strengthened sin in its battle against you. Even when you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, another very, 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 very powerful text. I just want to read it to you real quick. But 2 Corinthians called the Ten Commandments, 2 Corinthians 3, 7. But if the ministration of death, 
written and engraven in stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses. It said the ministration of death written and engraven in stone. Did you see that? The Bible called the Ten Commandments the ministration of death. How do I know it's talking about the Ten Commandments? Because that's the ministration that was written and engraven in stones. But now, and even in verse 9, it says, for if the ministration of condemnation. So not only did it call it the ministration of death, but it called the Ten Commandments the ministration of condemnation. But then we look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation. So when you look in the New Testament, we see that Jesus is not condemning in the New Testament. It was the law that brought about sin. When you look at 2 Corinthians 5, 19, where it says to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. God is not condemning in the New Testament. It is the law that imputes sin. Jesus said, I'm not imputing your trespasses against you. Are you listening? So this is something very profound that you must understand, because if you don't understand this, you're going to become very frustrated as you look even at Romans chapter seven. So when you go to Romans again, chapter three, verse 19, look at what it says that the law was given to work. Well, but then Romans three nineteen declares. Now we know that things whatsoever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. So what was the law given for? To stop mouths. It took your excuse. It made everybody guilty. The law was given to push you to the mercy of God. People begin to compare. So what happened was, remember Cain killed Abel. All right. But then another man, I believe it was Laban or Lamech, he killed somebody, but he felt like his killing was justifiable. You know, like when you go to court, you have murder, but then you have justifiable homicide or you may have murder and manslaughter. When people begin to compare their sins to another person's sin and said, you know what? I did this for this reason. So that means I shouldn't get the same consequence. But the law came to equal the playing field. The law didn't set none of us free. People begin to compare. So God gave the law as a standard. It didn't change anything, but it was brought about to bring guilt and condemnation so that it could turn people to God. Does that make sense? It's very powerful. That was the whole purpose of the law. The law was given to point people to Jesus, to cause them to understand that, look at this, you need God. So the law leveled the playing field and said, hey, thou shall not kill. It didn't say thou shall not kill this, thou shall not kill that. I'm going to make it plain. Thou shall not kill. And that leveled the playing field. The law never complimented. It always told you what you did wrong. So then when you get to Romans chapter 15 of the same thing, look at what it says in Romans chapter four, verse 15. 
It says, because the law worketh the wrath for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Verse 16. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace to the end. The promise might be sure to all see not to that only that which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all. Verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead or raises the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Let me help you understand that. In Genesis, the 17th chapter, let's go there very quickly. Let, I want you to understand this. Genesis chapter 17 says something. Then I want you to see Genesis 17, verse one. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I'm the almighty God. Walk before me. Be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. And thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made them. Now look at Genesis chapter 17. God promises Abraham a child. Of course, Abraham tried to get in works and tried to make it happen through Hagar. But God declared that Abraham was a father of many nations. Now, this is what I need you to understand. God called him a father before he had a child. Did you get that? God called him a father before he had a child. Well, this is what the word of God is saying again in Romans chapter four, verse 15. I'm sorry, verse 17, that look at what it says. Even God, verse 17, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. He was not a father. He had no child. But God called him a father before he ever had a child, just like God calls you righteous before you ever produce the works of righteousness. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be verse 19 and being not weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead when he was almost a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He never considered his own body. And that's why many of us get discouraged. That's why many of us don't believe we're saved because we begin to consider our own bodies and our own works. We begin to consider what the doctors say. We consider what the lawyers say. Come on. We consider what the lawyers say and the doctors and the, the surgeon. We consider what all of these people say, which accumulates unbelief. If I had time, I would get into that, but I can just get stay right there for a moment that the way many of us miss God and our faith is not able to work is because we consider our own situation. We consider our account. We consider what we presently have. We consider the money that we have right now. We consider where we are. We look at what we're going through. Yes, that's what a lot of us do. 
We consider our own body. We look at what we presently have, how much money we have. And we don't understand that that accumulates unbelief. You know, if I was to give a prophetic word to somebody who was 100 years old and told them, you're going to have a baby. You know what the first thing they would do? They would go look at Pastor Google and they would look at Evangelist Yahoo and look up search engines to find out when is the last time somebody my age had a child. And you don't recognize that you are accumulating unbelief. Abraham never considered his own body, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. And that's why many of us get discouraged. And one thing you got to do is give God the praise and trust it. Verse 20, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Look at verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Colossians chapter two, verse seven says that praise is a powerful weapon. And that's another thing that you want to understand. One thing that makes your faith abound and causes you to continue to trust God is when you praise God. I believe it's Colossians chapter two. Let me find that Colossians chapter two, verse seven. You excuse me, y'all. I just love inviting you all into my Bible study and letting you know what's going on because I love the word of God. But Colossians chapter two, verse seven, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. What causes you to abound in faith is when you begin to praise God. It is a powerful weapon. And that's what caused Abram to not get discouraged. He kept giving glory to God, but was strong in faith. Father, I thank you for the child. I thank you that I'm going to have this child. Just kept praising God. Didn't know what it was, but kept praising God. Verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. He was not persuaded, but he was fully persuaded. That's how faith has to work. You have to be fully persuaded of your salvation. All right. Verse 22. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. What do you mean? It was put on his account. Not because he did everything right, but because he believed. Are you listening to that? He was willing to give up his wife. He, he believed so much. Look at what the scripture declares. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also. God said, look at the life of Abraham. I didn't just have him to write those things. Just for you to look at Abraham's life. I want you to see that Abraham was willing to give up his wife. Remember when he got ready to go into the promised land in Genesis chapter 12, God gave him a word and told him to come out. Genesis, the end of Genesis, the man seen his wife. And he said, you know what? Tell him you're my sister. You know, it was his half sister, it wasn't his whole sister. But we know that it was a deception. He was willing to give up his wife. Why? Because he said, listen. God said, I'm going to be the father of many nations. So I don't know how this is going to happen, but if God said it, it's going to happen. He was willing to give up his wife, knowing that sooner or later, she's going to have to come back to me. 
because I have a prophetic word that I'm going to be the father of many nations. And God say, that's not just written for Abraham, verse 24, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Abraham might have failed. He might have messed up, but he still loved him. And I'm telling you that you may fall and you may mess up, but he still loves you and you don't have to earn his love. Romans 6.23 said, for the wages of sin is death. We all deserve death. But the gift of God is eternal life. You can't earn it. You got to just receive it. We all deserve to be dead. Everybody. I don't care if you think you're perfect. We all died in Adam. And because of what Adam did, we all deserve death. But now because of what Jesus did, we don't have to earn salvation. We just got to receive it by faith. So it goes straight from that in the Romans chapter five, verse one, and says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we have peace through faith. Are you getting that? Not on the tre- If you are on the treadmill of works and trying to dot every I and do everything, I just want to be sure I just got to do. You will never have peace. There is no peace when everything you're doing, you're doing it to work to earn this favor, trying to do this and trying to do that for God to love you. And I got to do this in order for him to be in love. You will never have peace. If that's your whole life. Well, I got to make sure I do this right. And I got to make sure I do that right. That's strenuous. That's laborious. He said, take my yoke and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. They'll never have peace as long as you're trying to work. Verse two, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace when we stand. You know, I think that a lot of us don't understand that. You need access. And the only way you're going to get access, which is by faith, which is admission, is going to come through faith. It's not going to come by works. You do not gain access because, oh, I didn't I didn't do no sin today. So because I didn't do sin today, now I know when I pray, he's going to answer me. No, I have faith in the finished work of Calvary. And this is something that I need you to understand. The Bible declares in verse two that we have access by faith into this grace when we stand. Your faith doesn't work until you get an understanding of grace. Grace comes as a revelation of the finished work. Jesus got on Calvary's cross and said, it is finished. Are you listening to me? When he got on Calvary's cross and said, it is finished. That finished work gave you access to the grace of God. Now, the Bible declares, I believe in second Corinthians, in second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven, it says that we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, But Romans 5 said, we stand in grace. Now, there has been an issue with your faith walk and you believe in God because you do not first have a revelation of the grace of God. You cannot 
walk if you don't know how to stand. We stand in grace, but we walk by faith. Did you get what I just said? We stand in grace, but we walk by faith. And I'm telling you right now that some of you will never be able to believe God to do something because you keep thinking that God is doing what he's doing because of your works. So you're not even able to gain access and trust him and believe him for it because you don't have a revelation of the finished work. And that the reason I can ask for something is not because of what I do, but because of what he did. And once I get a revelation of the finished work of Calvary, glory to God, then I have access. Are you listening to me? The real victory is understanding what Christ did. And what he's already done. And then I can rest in him. Don't have to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Because he became my Sabbath in Hebrews 4. And there remaineth a rest. And I rest in him. That's the real Sabbath. Grace is God's part. Independent of me. Prior to me. That's God's part. That God died for me. He saved me. He healed me. He delivered me. Prior to I was born, so it could have nothing to do with me. Before I ever got here, it can have nothing to do with me because I had grace before I got here. So that's his part. But I got to have faith also. And the way I gain access to all the grace is through faith. Stop trying to be worthy to receive it and stop trusting in yourself and believe in God. Well, brother, how do I know if I'm not trusting in his grace? How often do you feel condemned? Are you beating yourself up? When you start, when a person come to me and say, I've been praying, I've been fasting. Immediately, I know that they're under the law and they are trusting in themselves. Why I'm not healed? Why I'm not delivered? Why don't I fast? I pray. And I can immediately give them the answer and let them know that the reason they are not seeing a manifestation of it is because they are pointing to what they did and not what Christ did. Faith is not me moving God, but it's me responding to what Christ has done. And I'm telling you that trusting in yourself will hinder you from receiving more than any other thing that you ever imagined. Sin is going to stop it. Trusting in yourself will stop you before sin does. Because everything I have, I have because of him. There is so much more that is in this message as I go through Romans chapter 5. It says, not only so, but we glory in tribulation and tribulation workers. I mean, there's so much more I want to share with you, but I got to go. You can always go to the ministry. You understand. BrianCarn.com, BrianTarn.org. All of the information is there. Everything that you need is there. In order to be able to get a revelation on this, this is a phenomenal message. And it changed my life. And I'm telling you that this is something that you need to put in your library. The series called The Gospel. Call the ministry. Everything you need is there. Tell them what you need. Go to the website and order it and everything that you need will be in place. Until then, know that I'm praying for you. Now remember, at KCC or under Brian Carr Ministries or with my ministry, I don't demand that you pay for anything. We just ask for a donation. But we believe in giving. 
So if I was you, I would order that product so that you can receive everything that God has for you. I love you, praying for you, more grace, and I look forward to sharing with you part four. Thank you for listening to the Prophetic Podcast with Prophet Brian Karn. Stay tuned for next week's podcast and visit briancarn.com for more information and to sow a seed into the ministry. To receive this message in its entirety, call 1-855-984-2276 or 1-833-522-5433. More grace, we're excited about your future.